Finally, Finn Face Lock Pop Pit. Wait. I love it. I love it. Shut the fuck up. Shut up, Macho Man. Luger is gigantic. That's not just the coolest. That's not just the best. Front Face Lock Podcast. Now that, my friend, is just incredible. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Front Face Lock Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and with me, as always, is the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, Vinny. What's going on, guys? Today, we are joined by the one and only Chaz Warrington, a.k.a. Mosh from the Headbangers, a.k.a. Beaver Cleavage. That is, we're going to ask you about that. And don't forget Sister Angelica. Yes, that's another question I got to. Don't worry. (laughs) And you're another New Jersey boy. Yes. Uh, yeah, from South Jersey. Yeah, we're, we're I'm in Ocean County. Vinny's soon to be Ocean County. Okay. Yeah, we were originally from Bergen County. Yeah, so you're from uh, Cherry Hill. Yeah, from Camden County. Well, I say Cherry Hill because when you mention Cherry Hill, everyone seems to know where it is. I actually grew up in Stratford, and then my house was in Berlin before I moved down here. So just right outside Philly. Oh, right nice. in Camden. I'm a Camden County boy. Nice. <laughs> we... Uh, yeah, I, use, I usually just say I grew up in East Rutherford since nobody knows that Carlstadt is a thing. Right. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> or the Meadowlands, just say the Meadowlands, you know. Right, exactly. So what a career you've had. You know, former WWE, NWA, WWA, and various other promotions. You were a tag team champion with Glenn Ruth. First question I got to ask, though, you know, I know you trained with Glenn. You got your start in the early 90s. What got you into it? That's a basic question everybody's probably going to ask. Um, yeah, pr- kind of once one of those things, I kind of just fell into it. Uh, was a fan growing up, obviously, like most people who get into it. Um, there was a, a school. It was called the Route 30 Mart in Clementon, New Jersey, and it was a big flea mart. And on some Saturday nights, there'd be a big truck out front spray painted on the side, which say pro wrestling uh, tonight. So one Saturday night, I happened to go in and just check it out. And uh, I didn't know what to expect. But what I saw, I was not what I expected. <laughs> because you know, all, I, all I used to do is I used to take the, the, the Lindenwald speed line over to Philly to the subway. And I'd go down to the spectrum uh, to watch every month when they were there. So, you know, I was expecting, I guess, a little bit more because um, that's all I knew was, you know, WWF. So, uh, but it was a little hokey, but it was fun. And uh, afterwards, I hung around and was hang- talking to their heavyweight champ, who was the Spider. And uh, turns out, you know, that obviously that's Glenn. Um, so our high schools wrestled each other. So we kind of knew of one another through high school wrestling. So... Him and I just started chatting after the show, and he was like, oh, you should come down and try out. And I'm like, nah. I'm like, yeah. I'm a, at this point, I was still wrestling, dabbling a little bit in college with wrestling, so I was maybe 185 pounds. And uh, he said, no. He goes, now's the best time. I said, I'd have to put weight on and uh, come back. And he's like, no, now would be the best time to learn as you put weight on. It's easier to learn how to do everything as you put weight on instead of all of a sudden you're coming here you know, 30, 40 pounds heavier. It's harder that way. So um, I was like, what the hell? Let me try it out. So Larry was holding tryouts. Uh, there was six of us at the tryout, which happened to be in front of his daughter's class. Her daughter had a school trip to a uh, class trip to the Monster Factory, which was amazing in itself. To, <laughs> the school let you go there for that. Um, but they, they only took two of us. Larry took myself and someone else, and uh, which I kind of thought was cool because it was one of those things where you think that uh, – you would think that everyone, my son's leaving to go to soccer. Um, 
So, you know, it's one of those things where you think, you know, they would just take whoever, but Larry didn't run his school that way at all because his thing was if you sucked, he didn't want you going out and tell everyone you trained at the Monster Factory. So um, they accepted me and I was like, huh, what the hell? Let me try it. So I went to my credit union, took out a $3,000 loan and uh, figured at that point, I still had no idea what I was doing. I was going to school, but had no idea for what. I was just taking classes just because that's what you're supposed to do after high school. You're supposed to go to college. Um, so that's what I did. And I uh, kind of just fell into it. And then from there, it kind of just took off. So it was just, uh, just I guess, a lot of, I, I look at my career, a lot of it is being, I think it was just meant to be the way things just kind of fell into place for us. And how long from when you graduated the school and, and were picked, did you get the call? I know you were, a, they, they call it enhancement talent. Uh, in like the early 90s, you were enhancement talent for WWE. How long from when you graduated till that point? Um, <laughs> never graduated. Um, literally, it was three weeks. Wow. I was training for three weeks and they were taping in the area. And Glenn, Glenn came to me and he said, hey, he goes, uh, can you get off work on Monday, Monday and Tuesday? And I'm like, I guess. I said, why? He goes, well, WWF's in town and they're taping superstars and wrestling challenge. He goes, and when they're in the area, they use Larry's guys. He goes, you're one of Larry's guys. He goes, so we're going to go. And I was like, there's no way I can do that. I said, I'm, I've been training three weeks. I, I barely know how to bump. He's like, they're not going to use you. Don't worry about it. He goes, you're going to get paid. They'll see your face. The next time in your area, maybe they'll use you. So I'm like, all right, great. Up to Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, we go. And I'm sitting in the locker room and shitting my pants that here I am. And there's the Steiner brothers. Scott Steiner's walking around naked. Um, you know, there's Sonny. There's, um, you know, all the, there's Bret Hart. There's Shawn Michaels. There's, you know, all these guys. And I was just like, whoa. Um, and then they roll out the big board, the big whiteboard. There's the rundown of matches. And there it was, Adam Bomb versus Chaz Ware. And I went, I looked at Glenn, I go, I thought they weren't going to use me. He goes, well, he goes, they are now. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, so literally three weeks into training at the Monster Factory, I was in a WWF ring. It was against, amazing. Against a huge guy like Adam yeah. Bomb. Yeah. Adam Bomb. And here I was. I don't know, six foot. I mean, I wasn't even fully grown yet. I was still six foot, buck 80, buck 80, maybe 190 tops. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> it was, uh, I got in that ring and I was just looking around all the people going, holy shit. <laughs> I can't believe where I am right now and what, what I'm about to do. Um, it was amazing. When you first get in the ring like that, I mean, obviously you've got to have some sort of butterflies or, you know, where, what, what point in the match did it wear off and you were like, you're like, okay, I could do this. This, this, this is, this is what I want to do. Or was it just the whole time you're just like shitting your pants? Yeah, I was shitting my pants all the time. There was no <laughs> butterflies. Never went away. Um, I mean, I still get butterflies now. We do indie shows all the time, and I still get butterflies. I still get excited. I still get out there. And people ask me, you know, you walk to the ring. You guys are always laughing and all this. And I go, that's just me smiling still to this day. However many years later, still going, holy shit, I can't believe that I'm doing this. Um, but yeah, the butterflies never went away. There's times in that match where I'm covering my mouth because I legit think I want to start laughing out loud when Adam Bomb's kicking the shit out of me. Um, <laughs> I get thrown onto the floor and Johnny Polo's in my face. Raven's yelling at me on the floor. He's calling me a bum. It's taking all I have not to laugh at that. And then uh, Adam Bomb picks me up, short arm clotheslines me on the floor. I land crooked, get the wind knocked, by, the wind knocked out of me. 
and still just laying there going, this is awesome. <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> so it was like an immediate, like, this is what I want to do. This is what yeah, I want to do. So, so I had that match. And then the, the other part of the story is um, my favorite wrestler of all time was Macho Man, like I'm sure millions of other people. Um, and he was still up there. He was doing commentary. And I was standing in the hallway and he's walking down the hall and Glenn had known that he was my favorite. So I hear him walking down the hall in that raspy voice he's got. And I'm just like, oh, shit, here he comes. Like, I'm actually going to see him close. I mean, here, here I am. I'm a kid who would go over to the Spectrum in Philly. And the one time I had ringside seats, I mean, front row seats, it was him versus Honky Talk Man in a cage match. Right. And I was ecstatic that I'm going to be sitting front row. Elizabeth's going to be right in front of me. Like, this is the greatest night ever for me. And my best friend who went with me got us kicked out because he was shooting Gorilla Monsoon with spitball. So I never got to see the main event. Oh, <laughs> I never got to see like, the cage match. <laughs> oh, that's um, awful. Yeah. So Macho Man's walking down the hall that night, and he gets three feet away from me. And he kind of looks over and, like, nods his head. And Glenn pushes me into him, and I almost knock him over. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we, we, we get past that. So later that night, I'm getting ready to go out and I'm pacing. And he comes up to me and he's like, first time here? And I'm like, yes, sir. And he's like, yeah. He's like, ah, he goes, you'll be fine. He goes, it's not that bad. And I'm like, okay, thank you. And he goes, you know what? He goes, I have nothing going on right now. I'm going to stay right here and I'm going to watch. And I was like, no, no, it's okay. You don't, <laughs> don't, don't do that. Don't do me any favors. It's all good. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, I'm going to watch. So I'm like, okay. So I go out, I do my thing, and I come back. He's standing right there where he was, right next to the monitor. He put his arm around me, starts walking down the hall, and he goes, kid, he goes, that was amazing. He goes, you're going to make money in this business one day. He slaps me in the back of the head and walked off. That's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, so that was awesome. And then the next night, they were down in um, the Wicked Mico Center in Salisbury, Maryland. And that's, when I, that's the place where I actually had my very last amateur match. I did an AAU tournament there. And um, again, they roll out the board, and there it is Chaz Ware versus Papa Shango. Wow. Um, but yeah, after that first night, I, I was out and we stopped to get gas driving down to Maryland. And that's what I said. I'm like, yeah, this is exactly what I want to do. That's awesome. And that night, right down in there, I was like, this is it. Somehow, some way, I got to make this work. Yeah. I mean, you got the blessing from the king, you know, Macho <laughs> Man. They can't get yeah. any better than that. <laughs> no, no. So it was amazing. So, how did the, I know you were hooked up with Glenn as far as like the, the wrestling school. How did you guys hook up to do, as a tag team and become the Spiders? And then I know you did one match with Aldo Montoya and someone else uh, as the headbangers. But then for some reason, they call you the Flying Nuns. Yeah. So, uh, so Glenn was the trainer at the school. So he trained me um, during the training probably in. So I started in June of 93, somewhere in August. Uh, he hurt his back, so he wasn't coming around as much. And then he finally came back in, it was September, because um, his back was still hurt. So what happened was, is that that's when I had my first, like, real match down at the school. Uh, but meanwhile, six times before that, I'd already been on national TV doing enhancement matches with WWF, which was amazing. Um, so I had my first, like, real match, but Glenn was hurt, so he couldn't wrestle, and he was the heavyweight champ. So we were so similar in size and build and everything that um, they had me go out dressed as him 
as the heavyweight champ. I had his, so he wrestled as a spider. I had his mask on. I had his jacket on. The only difference was I didn't have the tattoo and I just wasn't as big as he was um, back then. So, but I never had to take the jacket off. So I was right. He was wrestling boy gone bad. Boy gone bad comes in the ring, smacks me with the chair. I lay down. He pins me one, two, three. He's a new heavyweight champ. They put me in a stretcher and cart me off um, as the spider. So I had a couple more matches and then Glenn's back started feeling better. He came back around. And then at that point when he came back, probably in, I'll say uh, the end of October-ish of 93, he came up with the idea. He's like, look, we look alike. We're similar. Glenn and I just right off the bat hit it off. Um, we got along really well. We just hit it off. It, I mean, first couple of weeks on to Monster Factory, he just had a, his oldest daughter, Paige. Um, she was just born. So, I mean, I was hanging out at the house all the time. Like we somehow we just clicked. So um, it was his idea. He's like, hey, he goes, why don't we? He goes, I've been wrestling for, you know, a couple of years. Never really got far. He goes, always interested in, you know, trying to start a tag team. He's like, why don't we tag? He goes, we'll get outfits made. You can be, you know, be, I'll be the spider. You can be spider too. We'll come up with some kind of name or whatever it is. And that's how it started. And uh, so we did a couple matches for Larry. We won Larry's tag belts, those WWA belts. And then uh, through Glenn of being around for a while, he knew Cornette, he knew Lawler. And uh, we were doing a show with Lawler in Jersey for Carluzzo. And Glenn and Lawler, we all started talking. And he was like, yeah, you guys should come down to Memphis. So I started in June of 93, April of 94. We were packing up the car and moving to Memphis to go wrestle for Jerry Lawler and USWA. So less than a year, here I am packing up the car and I'm going to a territory. Nice. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's how that started. And then, uh, yeah, like you said, we finally got signed with WWF. And yeah, then they, uh, they came to us and they said, Hey, we need you at this place in New York. I don't know, at 10 o'clock on this Friday. So Glenn and I are like, okay. So we show up and it's, um, like a design studio. It was like a seamstress's place. And we're like, what the hell's going on? They're like, well, we're fitting you for outfits. We're like outfits. We wear skirts and heavy metal t-shirts. What kind of outfits do we need? And they're like, no, no, no. You, they're like, didn't nobody told you Bruce Pritchard was there. And we're like, no, he's like, yeah, he goes, you guys are going to be the flying nuns, the sisters of love. He said, and me as brother love, I'm going to be your manager. And we were like, so what's up with the headbanger thing? And Bruce goes, don't worry about it. Just go with it. And we're like, okay. And I'm like, we're here. Who cares what we do? And if we're going to be with brother love, then yeah. okay. Um, yeah. So that's how we found out. And that's how the, the sisters of love uh, were formed. Just one of those things so afterwards and then we were supposed to we're going to prolong it a couple more weeks um the whole idea we found out after the fact was going to be that here come two guys in wearing skirts and makeup and you know doing all this crazy stuff and now they're showing up as nuns like the whole idea was we were so crazy we would do anything we would wear anything it didn't really matter that's kind of the storyline they were going to start building and i really think vince kind of was hoping that the flying nun thing would take off because as we all know, Vince likes making people. He doesn't like people coming in with their own characters and gimmicks. Yes. Um, but right around then that's, there was some other stuff going on and they ended up just 
the, the uh, Sisters of Love got arrested staring at little kids inside a Disney store in New York. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> wow. I, I think I missed that whole story. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, they did it on Shotgun Saturday night. On the afternoon, they had us staring in the Disney store, and they had cops come over and arrest us, and they were never to be seen again. So we had one match, and we're undefeated. Sound like I'm Beaver really, Cleavage, one match and undefeated. <laughs> I'm not really surprised by any of these uh, storylines that Vince comes up with. And like you said, um, you know, you were saying that he wants to make the product. We were actually talking about it with uh, Justin Credible and uh, Gary Michael Capetta uh, a couple of shows ago, saying that, asking them pretty much the reason with NXT and, and people coming from other promotions, it's like, he has a vendetta that he tries to bury them instead of, you know, if Vince McMahon didn't make it, I, I, I you know, I'm going to bring you in. I'm going to, you know, squash you. I don't know if that, right. if you feel like that's. Yeah. I don't know if I felt like we were getting, see, we got signed. Our, our first deal was a part-time deal. What they were doing is they brought in, um, they brought in guys, they gave them gimmicks. They had um, Freddie Joe Floyd. You had um, TL Hopper. You had the goon. Um, they brought these guys in. And the idea was to build them up. They were part-time to build them up to a certain level to make it look like the matches were going to be competitive to get, to get the superstars over with, to get the top guys over. That was the whole idea. So that's the contracts we were signed to. We were brought in to just put everyone over, but okay. we knew that coming in um, again, but we didn't care. It was like, here's our foot in the door and that's our time to shine and, you know, get ourselves over. And that's what we did. I don't think Vince brought us in and expected us to get over because it was actually Cornette who went to Vince and said, hey, I got these two guys. They got this really weird gimmick, blah, 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 blah. Vince obviously knew who we were from us doing all the enhancement jobs, all the enhancement matches. So Vince was like, ah, just put them under that part-time contract. We'll use them to help to get the other guys over. And it'll be perfect. Um, and out of all those part-time guys, we were the only two that were signed full-time after that. Um, but yeah, so I think that was the whole thing with that is giving everyone a gimmick, but I don't know if we felt buried, but we knew coming in, that was kind of our role. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we got over so much and so well, so fast that they could keep having us lose. They could keep burying us. And we kept getting the reactions out of everybody. We, you know, we were, we ended up getting ourselves not to sound like a snob or a diva. We got ourselves over so much by just being us and being the goofballs that we are that no matter what they did to us. It didn't matter. It was kind of like um, Zack Ryder for a while. Zack got himself over so much. No matter what they did to him, he was over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah I, uh, Ryan, another one. I, I mean, I don't know. I could speak for, for Ryan. You know, you guys came out. We were, you know, teenagers. We were heavy metal guys. So you guys kind of resonated with us because there was nothing like that in the wrestling world. And we we're like, oh, shit, that's fucking awesome. You know, we got – these heavy metal guys, you know, Ma, uh, Ma Strasher, you're dancing the ring, you know, slam dance in the ring, all that. And also, just want to say real quick, your finishing move, the stage dive, is one of the coolest tag team finishing moves I've seen. And I ha really haven't seen anyone do that again. Yeah. No, that was, um, it was awesome. And I spoke to someone, I can't remember. I was at a show or, so, or a convention a couple weeks ago and or last month, and somebody brought it up. They did a whole article on like the top finishers in the history of wrestling. And he actually ranked our finisher second. Wow. Um, I don't remember who we had first, but
but he said his editor took it and switched it all around and made us 10th. <laughs> like, why are you writing an article if your editor is just going to change all you? And it yeah. sounds like you need a new job. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the timing that goes into that is ridiculous. Yeah. And actually, Glenn came up with that with a dream. He woke up in the middle of the night and he thought, powerbomb, leg drop. I don't know. You had a pad next to his bed. He wrote it down and came into the school. And it took us about a month to really get it down to figure it out. And uh, poor Dilo, um, he was down at the Monster Factory then. He's the one that actually helped us get it to where it got because he took that thing over and over and over again. I can't tell you how many times he was sat on, how many times he was kicked in the side of the head. <laughs> and it started with me trying to do a power bomb and like Glenn doing a running leg drop to land all at the same time. We're like, no, that's cheesy. And then it was me on the second rope trying to do a leg drop, but Again, I was still fresh and new, so me coming off the ropes at all was ridiculous and stupid yeah. and silly. Um, so then Glenn did it off the middle rope, and it was like, it just doesn't look big. So I was like, go to the top rope, and that's kind of where we came up with it. That's pretty cool. What uh, Now, I, you kind of explained it a little bit, but like, where did the, the like, you guys, Finney said it, you guys came out, you know, in band t-shirts. Some of the shirts I had yeah. so as a teenager seeing you guys come out with like the Marilyn Manson shirt. I, the one that's right behind you that Glenn's wearing, I had that shirt. So that was actually awesome for me. I got to ask about the kilts though. Where did the kilts come about? They're not kilts. They're skirts. Okay. Real men wear skirts. <laughs> I've actually had that conversation because in high school, I wore a skirt once to school, probably because of you guys. <laughs> and I got a lot of flack about it. I can't tell you how many people say to me now, like you guys wear kilts. I'm like, no, they're not kilts. I'm like, Roddy Piper wore a kilt. We wear skirts. There's a big difference. <laughs> like, and they're like, you're proud of the fact that it's a skirt? I go, damn right I am. <laughs> it's like, I have a T-shirt that says it, so yes. <laughs> um, so what happened was is Cornette's the one who came up with the idea of the headbangers. Um, we were wrestling as the spiders all over um, Tennessee and Arkansas, and Cornette wanted to bring us in, so he called us up, and he goes, hey, I want to bring you guys into Smoky Mountain. He said, but I don't like the masks. I don't like the spider thing. And we said, we don't really care. We just want to come to Smoky Mountain and work with you guys. So he said, I was at, and this is going to make you laugh. He was at a Glenn Danzig concert. Um, and he said, I, he goes, these guys were crazy. They're, they're diving off the stage on each other. He goes, they're hitting each other. They're spitting on each other. He goes, they're wearing makeup. They're wearing dresses and skirts and they have piercings and tattoos. He goes, I've never seen anything like it. Um, and I said, I have, I go, I've been there. I've went, used to go to the, the, the underground, the bank over in Philly. I mean, I used to go to, you know, slam dancing and mosh pitting. Like I did all of that stuff. So I knew exactly what he was talking about. Glenn had no clue. Glenn's like, I listen to Barry Manilow. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so uh, he goes, not that I want you guys to go extreme and, you know, get tattoos and get piercings and, you know, wear dresses and stuff like that. Cause I'm just trying to give you the idea of what I'm thinking. He said, because, with your attitudes and your look and being from the Northeast, because I just think it would be a good fit. It'd be a good idea. So we're like, okay. So we showed up to Smoky Mountain TV. Um, we knew nothing other than our names were going to be the headbangers. Um, we didn't know Mosh. We didn't know Thrasher. We didn't know any of that. And so we show up in shorts and Cornette pulls out shirts. So he gave me the, this, the, um, the Slayer shirt. He gives Glenn and Metallica shirt and he goes, here, now go to the ring. 
And when you're done in the ring, you're going to go over to Les Thatcher and you're going to do an interview. And we're like, all right, what's the interview about? He goes, just introduce yourselves. I don't know, do whatever you want. We're like, okay. Um, so he's telling us like he wants us spitting on people and all this stuff. So literally the very first match smoking out, I walk out and I am walking up to everyone in the front row and I'm spitting on everyone. <laughs> and the whole time I'm thinking, this is fucking awesome. I'm, I'm not only am I here now, I'm, now I'm allowed to, I'm being told by my boss to spit on people. I'm like, this is the best. Um, so we do the match and then we go over to Les Thatcher and he's like, all right, I'm here with the headbangers and your name is. And I'm like, I don't know. And Glenn's like, what's your name? I'm like, I don't know what's your name. I don't know. We don't know what our names are. Like we legit had no idea what our names were or anything. It all kind of slowly from there, uh, it kind of evolved into what it was. And how the skirts came along was PG-13 was huge down in Tennessee. I mean, they were huge in Memphis. They had, you know, been over in Smoky Mountain a little bit. But PG-13 wore sneakers or boots, shorts, and some kind of T-shirt. So that's exactly what Glenn and I look like. I was wearing work boots. He was wearing high-top sneakers. So we were kind of walking around a thrift store trying to figure out something to wear. And I just went down the aisle, the women's aisle. I was kind of scrolling through. I found a skirt. I put it on right there in the store and I walked around to Glenn and I just stood there and he goes, no, because I'm not doing it. And I go, yes, we're doing it. I go, it's different. It's going to set us apart. This is what we need. So I said, just buy one. We'll wear it tonight at the show and we'll see what happens. If it, if it, if it gets shit on, then we just don't do it. So what are we wasting? Five bucks? Mm -hmm. Go buy a skirt. So we went and bought the skirts. We went at, we're in the locker room. Everyone's busting our balls. We're like, what the fuck are you guys doing? We're like, we don't know. I mean, we got Tracy Smothers, Dirty White Boy. You got the Heavenly Bodies. You got Ricky and Robert. They're all in there. Tommy Rich, like, you guys are fucking stupid. Like, what are you doing? We're like, we don't know. We're trying it out. We got so much heat from the crowd. <laughs> Here come two guys with Facebook. And we still had, we had hair back then, so we weren't shaving our heads yet. So here come two guys with hair and face paint on and skirts and we're spitting on people we're cussing people out and all this stuff the heat we got was unbelievable we walked into the back Cornette said where did you buy the skirts i'm like thrift store he handed us each 20 dollars. he goes go tomorrow and buy more skirts you now wear skirts <laughs> that's how the skirt started oh, nice. <laughs> that's a great story that is a good story and jim um, Cornette at a danzig concert i would have never thought that yeah, yeah. yeah i know that's crazy right there <laughs> chaperoning somebody because i couldn't even find those tickets he had a friend of his who knew somebody or that knew someone or knew him and that's how he ended up there oh, okay. um but look i'm very thankful he went because without that the headbangers may have never happened <laughs> yeah that's crazy everything happens for a reason exactly um we talked about real quickly uh beaver cleavage now you want to know undefeated beaver undefeated cleavage. When they came up to you and said, you're going to be Beaver Cleavage now, and you're going to have, um, you know, your valet is going to play your mom, and there's going to be an incestual storyline. What was going to, was it, was the reaction? Because we've talked to like, um, you know, when they, we talked to PN News, we was like, you know, if I'm getting paid, I'll do whatever. In your head where you're like, this is really stupid, or you're like, all right, I'm game. Like, let's just try to make it work. Um, I was totally i'm getting paid whatever you want me to do <laughs> right. um and at this point glenn was hurt that's when he blew his knee out so i was sitting home so they came up with these two ideas um and he was supposed to come back as an evil doink 
Um, they wanted him to grow his hair out, which would have been funny because he has like six pieces of hair on his head. Um, so it would have been hysterical. Um, but no, my thought was I never really wrestled singles um, other than enhancement matches. And I literally had three matches before Glenn and I started tagging down at the Monster Factory. So my thought was they're investing money in this. They had us do all of the, you know, they laid out the vignettes, what they wanted to do. They brought a girl in. And I'm like, this is an opportunity for me to shine on my own, um, for me to, to do something on my own. So I was, I was excited about it. I'm like, this is going to be great. After doing the vignettes and then watching the vignettes, and then when I had that first match with Christian and I watched it back and I'm like, I'm just acting like a big kid, a big goofball. That's easy to do because I'm laughing the whole time. That was always the good part about the mask when Glenn and I wrestled as the Spiders. I was still always laughing in the ring, but the mask hit it. The headbangers thing coming out of laughing, I'm still laughing. That's just that's just who I am, and that's how I came out. So I was like, this is just going to be perfect. And then I kind of thought about it. I'm like, if I can take this and get it over, it could segue into something else, evolve into something else. You know, they kind of got an idea for Glenn. This is an opportunity for me to do me. Um, the only regret I have with the whole thing was after they killed it off and they just had me being Chaz, this kid from New Jersey, is the girl they had me with, I didn't like her. Um, Personality-wise, just she was kind of diva-ish. Um, I told her from the start, don't hang out with the boys, don't go out with the boys, like because that ruins your name in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not around anymore, so I don't want to talk bad about her, but she didn't listen to me, and within a day – it was all around the locker room that, you know, she's easy. She's this, she's that. And it just, it, it kills you off. Yeah. Um, so I was pissed. So looking back, that's probably the one thing I would have done different is I didn't realize then that all the, any guy that had a valet or had a girl with them were getting pushed. They were getting pushed. I should have just sucked it up and been like, no big deal. This is business. I don't need to go out with her afterwards. And if she wants to be, Whatever she wants to be on her own time, that's up to her. But when we're here, you know, we got to get along. We got to make this work. Because um, I think things could have been differently could, or could have gone differently for me if I would have done that. Because it would still give me an opportunity to wrestle on my own. Um, but, yeah, I was actually excited about the idea. And they're like, yeah, your head's going to be buried in her tits all the time. And you're going to be doing this. You're gonna, I'm like, sure. I'm like, I'm in. Whatever, whatever you want you me to do. I guess you can't complain about that. Yeah, no, I mean, you can't. <laughs> And she wasn't that bad on the eyes, so it wasn't that right. bad. Just personality was awful. I mean, it's got to it's got to be so different when you're working with Glenn, who you said you clicked immediately, and then you work with her, and it's the complete opposite, you know, environment. It's got to it's yeah. got to be like fucking weird. It, it, it was that was weird. And the other part that was weird for me is I always had Glenn. He was always with me, so I always had someone to travel with, um, you know, someone to hang out with in the locker room. Back then, personality-wise, for me, I was very introverted. I didn't, I wasn't a big small talker. I wasn't a big conversationalist. So I wasn't, I didn't make friends easy because I was guarded and I was like insecure. Inside, I was insecure. Um, so I kind of kept to myself in the locker room um, because I didn't have him. He's always been the one who wants the center of attention. He likes the center of attention. I always kind of, sh- it's, it's funny I say this, being that I'm, you know, in the ring in front of people, I always kind of shied away from the spotlight. 
and always let Glenn kind of take the lead. And I followed him at that point with him, not around, I was, I felt kind of lost at the same time of not knowing really what to do and where to go and what I say and, and stuff like that. Um, so it was just different, but I was excited about the opportunity to be able to do something on my own for once. And you went from that character and it kind of, you said he wanted to see how it could evolve and it evolved somewhat into the Chaz character, your valet, uh, I forget her name. Miss Cleavage was, you know, your Mariana. mother's name. Um, right. And then all of a sudden they come up with this domestic dis uh, abuse storyline, which obviously is a horrible thing. And they're, you know, throwing all these claims out that you're beating her in the back yet. In the ring, Jeff Jarrett is actually hitting women with guitars. <laughs> and beating up Mae Young and Fabulous Moolah. <laughs> yeah, and hitting China and everyone with, with all these females with guitars. And there's a storyline where you're getting the shit kicked out of you and refs are throwing matches for you because she allegedly was hit by you. Right. How did they approach you with that? And how did they, did they ever even justify like, you're going to get accused of this, but Jeff Jarrett's <laughs> going to actually do it. In front of tens of thousands of people. Witnesses. That's, that's, that's a mistake right there we make with wrestling. Don't try to make sense of it. <laughs> if you try to make sense of it, you're fucked. Don't. <laughs> Just go with it. <laughs> um, yeah, so they, I mean, they came to me with the whole idea of us splitting up and the whole me beating her up storyline. Um, at that point, that was when I was – I was like, so you're, you're getting me away from her? I'm like, I'm all in. Whatever you want, I don't care. And then it was bringing, the idea was to bring Glenn back like they did to reveal that she was really full of shit and then have us come back. Um, again, looking back, I should have embraced her because bringing Glenn back and having a girl with us would have put us in a different realm. You know, you, know, you had the Hardys with Lita and you, know, you had other women being used with tag teams and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, so the, basically the whole storyline was just to bring Glenn back in to, you know, to bring Glenn back into the mix. I guess we did look too deep into that, Vinny, when we <laughs> can't. I mean, I mean, don't. Yeah. Professional wrestling, it doesn't make sense. Don't even try to have it make sense. <laughs> I, I, I actually forget what pay-per-view that was, where it was uh, Jeff Jarrett versus China uh, for the belt, and May Young and Mula came out and attacked him, and then he beat him up. It was the same thing we were talking about, and we were sitting there laughing about it. We're like, dude, he's really just kicking the shit out of three women right now, and no one's saying a damn word about it. <laughs> and well, yeah, it to the back, and he didn't do shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, let me see where I'm at. Um, did you ever get a call from WCW during the uh, Monday Night Wars? And if you did, would you have gone if it meant breaking up the tag team? So uh, the one time our contracts were expiring, um, there were going to be, so when Glenn blew his knee out, um, we were right at the end of our first full-time contract and we were kind of worried and, you know, we're like, okay, we're not going to be used. We're not going to be around because, you know, he had to have reconstructive done. It was going to be a good six months for him to come back. Um, so we got, we, we got approached. And we were like, well, you know, Glenn's kind of hurt now. And so that kind of got sidelined. But then at the same time, Bruce Pritchard came to us and he goes, look, guys, we know the next couple of months, your contract's coming up. We want you guys to have no worries. No, don't worry about anything. They gave us a new deal with a guarantee. So at that point, it was like, yeah, OK, we're good. <laughs> so we're yeah. not worrying about it. Thanks, guys. But um, <laughs> we're, we're staying. Um, 
We never really – I know Glenn went there a couple times and did some enhancement matches um, with WCW back in the day before I was even around. Um, but we never really had a big interest only because, you know, we felt kind of loyal. You know, WWF always used us for enhancement matches, which was – you know, especially when we were before we were there and we were, you know, just on the road in Memphis and trying to make a hundred bucks here, 50 bucks there, 10 bucks here. Um, you know, those, whenever they would book us and, you know, we'd get 500 bucks, you know, that got us through, um, you know, another month or so <clears throat> on the road. So we always, I guess, felt kind of loyal to Vince. So we never really dabbled much in anything with them. You were like, cause, and to play off of Vinny's question, you were there in the whole Monday Night Wars thing. Like you were, that's the the time of your popularity. That was the thick of it. Did, what was the feeling in the locker room? I know other people have talked about it, but like from your perspective, did you guys ever have like a TV in the back with WCW on kind of seeing what the competition was doing? Um, they did, but I never really, it was more in the, um, in the gorilla area. They would have it, they would have it going. Um, we always watched it because that's when it always replayed. So we always got to the hotel and we'd watch it back to see what they did. Um, the, the the mood in the locker room was more, it was more of a family. Um, i trying to think of the right way to describe it. We all got along. We all knew our role. We all knew the job was to get Stone Cold over to, you know, to make him bigger than life, even more than he already was. Um, you know, it's Sean to get DX over at that point. Um so we all got along. We all knew our role. It was like a big family. And all we wanted to do was beat WCW. That was the goal. Everyone got there. I mean, we had meetings without even Vince. I'll, I'll never forget, you know, Undertaker pulls us in. Everyone gets together. They're like, guys, are you, you saying this? Like, th this is ridiculous. Let's, let's like all come together and figure out a way. So we all knew our role. We all were working together to beat WCW. That was the entire goal. That was the only purpose, the only reason we, we were there. That's what it was built around. And you're in one of the most iconic pictures from the Attitude Era. It's the one you, they show the ring from the aisle and it's all the superstars lined up and you and Glenn are right in that. And that to me is like, that's iconic, that picture of the Attitude Era right there. Yeah, that, that was awesome. <laughs> we <Right>. got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you're approached and told that you guys are going to be the uh, WWF Tag Team Champions, what was that feeling that with the thought process that's going through your head be like, wow, I reached like the mountaintop or, you know, this is everything that I, I wanted to achieve or was it just, you know, business as usual? Cause I know in other promotions, you guys were tag champs as well. Yeah. So here's another great story. So everything ties back to Cornette. So, you know, Cornette came up the headbanger gimmick. Cornette got us, you know, he went to Vince for us and basically got us our first. Um, I mean, I know we earned the contract, but he's the one, you know, got our foot in the door to got us the contract. So we were in the Louisville Garden, and we weren't even supposed to be on that match, Ground Zero, in September of 97, because it was um, <clears throat> Stone Cold and Dude Love were tag champs, and that's when Owen gave Stone Cold the pile driver and broke Steve's neck. So Steve was out. Mm -hmm. So we found out, I don't know, maybe the Raw before the pay-per-view, that we were taking their spots. So um, Glenn and I were like, cool, another pay-per-view. This is awesome. Zero expectations. We're like, it's a four-way. It's kind of like the expectations going into WrestleMania 13 with the four-way. Hey, it's our first pay-per-view. It's WrestleMania. We're going to get eliminated first. It doesn't matter. It's a pay-per-view. It's WrestleMania. This is the greatest thing ever. Um, same, same thought with that. So we're in the Louisville Garden. It's during the day. Cornette comes up to us. He's like, boys, take a walk with me. 
We're like, okay. So we walk. We're walking down the steps, down the steps, into the parking garage, all the way to the back area of a parking garage. And we're like, what the hell is going on? Why are we down here? And he goes, well, I got something I got to tell you guys. And I wanted to tell you down here. And I wanted to be the one to tell you. We're like, okay. He goes, you guys are winning the belts tonight. And we went, cool. <laughs> and he goes, listen, I know how both you guys are. That's why I brought you down here. No one's around. And that was it. The three of us started jumping up and down going, we're getting the belts. We're getting the belts. We're getting the belts. <laughs> and then um, it was funny. So we go, you know, now the rest of the day I'm hiding because now I'm smiling the, the whole time. And I, all day I'm walking around with like goosebumps and I got to stay away from everybody because I, I just because of how we act. Mm. Um, cause everything's real. Everything's written on my forehead. There's no, I'm fully transparent with every, my emotions are written on my forehead. So we have the, we have the meeting with Jack Lanza and we're all in the, We're all in the meeting and they, you know, they say it's going to be boiled down to us and Owen and Davy boy stone Cold's going to come down they're laying it all out. Now I'm sitting like this because <laughs> literally I'm smiling. And I'm sitting like this. So they go through the whole finish and we're sitting, we're like, all right, cool. Yep. That, that sounds great. Everyone gets up to leave. And then finally Owen turns around and he looks at us. He goes, you guys can smile. He goes, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so we were like, yay. Like, and then everyone like, it was great. Cause like they, we were close with Owen. We were close with the Godwins. We got close with LOD. So it was like all of us together in that room, they were all like, this is great for you guys. We're so happy. But so it was, it was a great thing. It was awesome. That's cool. So, of all the teams you wrestled in WWE, because, you know, being the champions, you obviously wrestled on the road. Who I don't like to ask who your favorite opponent was, because that's a, that's a generic question. Everybody's going to say this one or that one. I like to ask everybody we talked to, who's the one you hated wrestling against? What team or what wrestler individual did you hate wrestling against? Doug and Phil. Doug and Phil? Doug Furness and Phil LaFont when they came in. They were there for like six months, right around, uh, had to be 96. It was right around, they were in that four-way tag of um, WrestleMania 13 with us. I think I do remember those guys. They came from Japan. Um, they were stiff. And when I mean stiff, I don't just mean working. I mean, I don't mean hitting us hard. I mean, they were just stiff. They didn't move. Um, they had zero personality. It was hard to tell a storyline with them. Great guys, love them to death. Just in the ring with them was difficult. They were difficult in the ring. Now, if you could wrestle any, like, any tag team that you hadn't wrestled in that era, which I don't know if there was a lot that you didn't, um, who would you want to wrestle? Even in if it's something that's still around. What would you say? In our era, when we were there, or just in the history of wrestling? Um, from your era to today, because there's still some teams that are still around, the Hardy Boys, uh, guys like that. So is there anybody that you're just like, oh, if we could just get a shot at those guys? Um, Even WCW, guys in WCW that you were like, oh, man, if we like Harlem Heat or something. I was just going to say, it would probably Harlem Heat. That's the first one that pops out at me. Harlem Heat would have been fun, I think, to work with. I think we could have had good matches with them. Um. Yeah, I mean, we wrestled the Hardys. We wrestled the Hardys in Smoky Mountain. The Hardys did jobs for us in Smoky Mountain. Um, yeah, probably Harlem Heat's the first team that jumps out at me. Yeah, me and Vinny have talked about this before. Like, that's a tag team that I wish I would have been more into when I was watching them growing up. 
Right. Yeah. Um, you're talking about before how you're always laughing. Everything's uh, on your face. I've heard from other wrestlers when you're wrestling, there's a lot of shit talking. We're trying to make the guy bust, bust out laughing. How true is that? And how, how involved are you giving it back, trying to make the other guy crack up? I've seen oh. some times where I'm watching wrestler and you just see, you know, leaning in and the guy wants to fucking lose it. Oh yeah. It was easy. I mean, like I get, we'd get in there with Billy Gunn and road dog and I could just, Billy hates being tweaked or pinched or whatever. So we're in a ring with him and just jamming a thumb up his ass. When you got him. <laughs> you're in a headlock, you just reach out and grab his nipple. And he's like, motherfucker, you better knock it off. He's like, I'm going to fucking punch you. And I'm like, all right, stop easy, Billy. Like relax. It's okay. <laughs> and then you just tweak the other nipple again. Um, oh yeah. That goes on all the time. We're actually doing, um, an angle down here in Florida, in Melbourne, with a company called Atomic Revolutionary Wrestling, and the angles with um, the Ascension, um, with with Connor and Vic, and um, they're actually calling themselves the Awakening now. But we did a promo afterwards, and it was hysterical because Ryan, the entire time I'm cutting the promo, and I'm just making fun of everyone around us. He was trying so hard not to laugh, and at one point, somebody called me a pussy in the crowd and i turned around and i go i was told my whole life you are what you eat which is why you look like a big fucking dick and <laughs> connor just stopped he goes all right i had enough he goes i gotta laugh he goes that's funny shit like <laughs> but yeah we tried it we do it all the time and glenn and i are the worst because we can get away with our characters of laughing and goofing around and being right. that way so we'll go to lock up with somebody and just it's just a double titty twister right off the bat. It doesn't matter. We just don't. Care. Yeah. So the goal is to try to make everyone laugh. We do it all the time and it's easy for us to get away with it. That's awesome. I love that story. Now, in 2016, they bring you back to SmackDown. Did you did you not? Was that supposed to be a long term deal? Because I know you guys did that post match interview where you told the woman to go in the back. And find out how, when you're going to be seen again. Right. Um, and actually, Glenn kind of loses his character for a second because he's he's like upset, and then he goes, "I, I, I it, it's just I don't even know." And he walks off for a second <laughs> and comes back. Did you think that was going to be a long term deal, or did they kind of tell you it's like a one or two off? No, we had no idea. So how that actually happened was, so my son is he'll be 17 in like two weeks. Um, so he's he never saw me in that element, obviously, because I was never, I wasn't with WWF when he was born. Um, but he's seen me do, um, I say thousands, I don't know, maybe hundreds of indie shows to the point where Glenn and I have been in a ring and I've looked over and he's sound asleep on a table. And I'm like, am I that boring that my own <laughs> kids over there sleeping? Um, so what I started doing was whenever WWE was in town down here in South Florida, I would reach out to Hunter and I would ask him, is there any possible way to put me on the show? I don't care. Like I'll, I don't want to get paid. I'll sign a waiver, you know, I, whatever. I just want to do one match. So my kid can see me in a WWE ring every single time. Hunter said, no, he's like, can't do it. Sorry, Chaz. Can't do it. Can't do it. So then seeing road dog on the road. Um, I always, cause I know him and Hunter were close. I'd be like, can you just, just talk to Hunter? Just, just one match, Brian. That's all I want. So when Brian was up there and he was an agent, um, he, uh, all of a sudden I got a, a phone call. I got a text um, from him and he said, it says, are you and Glenn available to do SmackDown on Tuesday night? This was like a Thursday or Friday. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm like, that's really funny. And thanks for fucking with me. Well done. Good job. See you later. And uh, he immediately called me and he's like, no, Chaz, I'm not kidding. He goes, we're doing this whole lot, the storyline. 
He goes, you and Glenn would be perfect. We want you guys to come in. Um, I'm like, well, yeah, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Um, he's like, all right. He goes, we'll be in touch tomorrow. So it was a Thursday. So Friday, he calls me up and he goes, dude, he goes, I'm sorry. He goes, it's in like the casino in like Massachusetts Foxwoods or something like that. It's called, he said, in order for you to wrestle there, you have to have blood work done. You got to have a physical done. He goes, and we just won't have time to get it all done. He goes, I'm going to try and delay the storyline to bring you guys into Dallas next week. He goes, but I can't promise anything. And I went, Brian, no big deal. I appreciate the thought. If it's meant to be, it'll be, but it's not meant to be this week. No big deal. He goes, all right. He goes, I'll be in touch next week. I'm like, great. I'm thinking to myself, I'm not going to hear from him. No big deal. Um, so it was next, the following, all week goes. So I'm watching SmackDown and I'm like, all right, let me try to see the storyline that they had in mind. Let me see, you know, where it goes. I couldn't figure anything out. I had no idea what he was talking about, about the storyline. So Wednesday comes, nothing. Thursday comes, nothing. And I'm like, all right, what's well, not going to happen? Again, no big deal. Friday at about 2 o'clock, I get a call. Chaz, it's Howard Finkel. He goes, I'm calling to book you and Glenn on your travel because we need you in Dallas, Texas on Tuesday for SmackDown. And I was like, holy shit. I'm like, this is really happening. He's like, yeah, I go, you're not going to call me in an hour and tell me, no, it's not happening now. He's like, I don't know. He goes, but I'm telling you right now, it's happening. Um, yeah, so that's how it happened. And we got there. And, you know, we did the match, which was amazing. And uh, there was never talk of really coming back at all. We kind of thought we, you know, my idea was, my thought was, I did it. I'm happy. And if they call us back, great. If they don't ever call us back, great. Um, but then we, we left Heath and we left Rhino both bloody. So we were like, this will be, we'll never be called back again. Because we used to get, I don't want to say mad, but we used to, when they used to bring guys in and then they would hurt somebody, it was always like, fuck, this guy's here one night and now he hurt, you know, so-and-so like, this is great. And I'm like, and that's what we just did. Haven't been on TV in 15 years. And now we just hurt two guys. Um, but yeah, but then three weeks later, they called us back. And then another three weeks, they called us back. And the second time I talked to Devon and Devon was like, you know, we're looking for road agents. Do you think, you know, you would be interested? And I said, you know what? I said, I always envisioned my career once I was there to stop wrestling around 40 and to be a road agent. And then from there to go on to like being a road agent and helping out. I said, but I gotta be honest with you. I go, there's no way in hell. <laughs> I said, I don't want to be on the road full time. My son plays travel soccer. I like watching his sports. I've built a career for myself down in South Florida. Now I've been down there at that point. I've been down here 19 years now. So at that point I've been down here 16 years. I've been doing the same thing for 16 years. I said, if I come here and I do a three-year deal, and then halfway through or at the end, they say, never mind, you're done. Then what? I'm going to be almost 50 starting over again. I'm like, can't do it. I said, if you guys want to, and then now you got that legends contract. You want to throw that legends contract out to us. I'd be more than happy to do appearances, come up every now and then, whenever you need. I said, I'm all in for that. I go, but full time. I'm like, I can't do it. Yeah. And we haven't been called back since. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that That's was kind of how it started. That was this the Heath Slater was calling out all the uh, the older the older I don't mean to say older the the legendary te like uh, personality because I think DDP came out one week and I think you guys came out the one week I think th was that the storyline that you're no, talking about? No, the storyline was going for the tag belts and the storyline was if if Heath did not win if him and Rhino didn't win the tag belts. 
he would be fired. If it's they like wanted that, that, to tag Bell, they'd give him a contract. That's when he was doing the thing. I got um, kids, right? I got kids. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He's like, I got seven kids. They're like, what? I thought you just had three kids. He's like, no, I got eight kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. He said, I'm going to go build me a school <laughs> now when they want. I remember that. Yeah. Um, yeah so- uh, when now, you know, do you still keep in contact with, besides Glenn, um, a lot of the guys or, you know, is it, uh, just kind of, um, know. I talked to Billy a lot. I talked to Billy Gunn. Um, I stayed in contact with him. Um, I talked to Pete gas a lot. Um, I talked to Delo every now and then, and I talked to Devon a lot. Okay. So probably Billy Devon, Pete, and then Delo. they're the, the four that I'm probably closest with, or I speak to or text, um, on a regular basis. Do you, do you still watch the products at all, like uh, WWE or AEW, or are you just not really interested? Yeah, I'm not really interested. Um, again, it's nothing against anybody up there, but the characters are kind of boring. Yeah. Um, there's no, they're not characters. It's it's like they're, and, and again, I don't mean this as a knock on anybody whatsoever. You just can't, back in our, back in my era, back in our day, you know, people, like you guys said, you bought into the heavy metal side of us. Yeah. People bought into the characters and that's who they buy into. And that's what they, you know, that's how, why they follow. For me, it's just hard to follow the storylines. The storylines now change every other day. It's like the storylines go so fast. There's no chance for them to develop. Um, AEW, those guys are amazing what they can do, but it's all so fast. The matches don't make sense. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can follow it. I don't want to follow it because it doesn't make sense to me. So I just choose not, not, not to follow it. I'm flipping through. If I see somebody I know that's on or somebody that I like, then like I'll watch like what Alexa Bliss is doing is fucking amazing. Um, plus, she's great to look at. So <laughs> it's easier to watch, um, you know, but if there's somebody on there, I know like if I see Matt or Jeff on, I'll, I'll stop and I'll watch them. I'll see what they're doing. But for the most part, it's not like I'm sitting there watching. Like I probably couldn't tell you two matches at WrestleMania yeah. this weekend. If you now you said just now that you didn't want to do full time, you, you got your life and your career down in Florida. But if if you tomorrow you said, hey, Glenn, let's let's go back to full time. Let's go back on the road. And you had a contract from NWA, Impact, AEW and WWE sitting in front of you. Which one would you sign? Um, well, it depends on who's offering me the most money. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think what would be cool, Glenn and I've spoken about this. I think what would be fun and kind of cool to do would be the NWA um, for a couple of reasons. One, the heritage behind it. Um, and then we are former NWA tag champs. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to any of them. Um, AEW would be fun. They're, they're right up the road. It's four hours away. Um, but I, did, I just... Some of the matches they do, it's just hard to go. So I guess out of all of those, take money off the table, not consider money. I think I'd like to do the NWA. I think that would be fun. Cool. That's, I respect that. Uh. Uh, actually, Gary Michael Capetto was talking about how he liked the NWA better than all the other promotions as of right now, too, when we talked to him. Yeah, I like it. Um, I like that the studio look again. It's, it's yeah. old school. And again, being a former NWA you know, and then watching NWA growing up, it's got that older style, that older feel to it, to me, more than the other ones do. I, and I've said this in the past. I respect Billy Corgan for doing and bringing back the NWA the way he is. But 
I do not like Billy Corgan. <laughs> <laughs> not a fan of Smashing Pumpkins. Not a no. Fan of, nah. I like Smashing Pumpkins. I'm not a 1979 is a good song. Actually, I mean, I'll give him Siamese Dream. I'll give him Siamese Dream as a yeah, good album. Gish is a good album. I like Melancholy Infinite Sadness is all right, too. <laughs> Had its good songs, but then he kind of like musically, I'm not going to say what his persona in wrestling is. I don't know enough about the NBA, but musically, he kind of got like into this whole I'm Billy Corgan thing where, you know, and kind of wondered who he was and everything started to sound the same or he was trying to be way out there creative. He's trying to be a little different. Work. Right. He wasn't being him. Yeah. He wasn't being Siamese Dream today. Uh, or uh, disarm like that stuff is good. Right. After that, a, a, when he gets into a door, that album I can't deal with it. <laughs> gets into a door <laughs> with, with with you actually obviously being in the headbangers. This is a question I got to ask. Who is your favorite? Who's your favorite band? God, I, such a variety. It's, a, it's such a hard, such a Top hard five. question to answer. And the yeah. reason it's hard is because for me, the music it depends on my mood. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can go from Limp Biscuit to Disturbed to 20 minutes later wanting to listen to Billy Joel um, to I like classical music also, um, you know, but it's so it just it all really depends on my mood. I'll go from, you know, listening to Slayer, flip over to Metallica and then I'll, I'll put on um, Tom Petty. So it just it, it just for me, it just depends on my mood. It depends on how I'm feeling. Um, or it depends on what I'm trying, what kind of mood I'm trying to get into. Like if I'm going to the gym, then it's just all heavy metal guns and roses and stuff like that. So it's hard. Um, it's hard to pick. I mean, I love chili peppers. I love guns and roses. I love Billy Joel. Um, I love disturbed. So it's kind of, if I had to rank them, I don't think I could. Okay. Fair enough. My, my first concert actually was guns and roses, Metallica, faith, no more at giant stadium in 1992. Really? Wow. So yeah, the was, first uh, album, first album I ever bought was Appetite for Destruction. The first concert I ever went to, <laughs> brace yourselves, my best friend and I took my sister to this concert over to the Spectrum was Debbie Gibson. Wow. <laughs> Listen, here, here's the, the kicker. My first concert ever was Pantera, White Zombie, and the Deftones. And my, the first two albums that I bought, first three albums I bought, when I talked to Ryan about this, was uh, Queen's Greatest Hits, The Spin Doctors, and then Shaquille O'Neal, Shaq Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the great part about the Debbie Gibson concert was we left my sister in her seat so we could run all the way, sneak our way down to ringside just to scream at Debbie, Debbie Gibson, show us your tits. <laughs> so we got that. We didn't she get to see her like, tits, but still. She was like 15, wasn't she? So were we. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't 25. <laughs> you weren't wearing flying nun outfits either. Steve. No. <laughs> That's hysterical. You said Appetite for Destruction. My, I had that on cassette, and I actually wore the cassette out. I listened to it so much that the, the tape inside got warped. So I put it in, and the whole thing just sounded like, like a, you know, slowed down and all warped. And, oh, it was awful. And then the first I, CD I ever got was Rust in Peace. Really? Yeah, so I taped um, Welcome to the Jungle on my cassette tape and my little Walkman. And it was my senior year in high school when I was wrestling. I, when, when the matches would start, I wrestled right in the middle. I was like 145, 150 pounds. So I would go sit in the back. I had all my sweats on and my hoodie on. And I would just over and over and over again, Welcome to the Jungle. I just had it looped over and over and over. 
and my buddy would come over when it was my turn. He'd come over. He was such, such a routine. He'd come over. He'd kick my foot. I'd get up. There was no stretching. There was no warming up. There was no nothing. Um, I'd take the sweatpants off. I'd walk over right to the edge of the mat, take the headset off, hand it to him, take the hoodie off. He'd stand there with my head, my headgear. I'd put the headgear on, and I went out and wrestled. That's how I started every match. There was no warm-up, no nothing. It was just welcome to the jungle over yes. and over and over again. <laughs> I mean, what a better song to get yourself pumped up to exactly. is that intro alone. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was perfect. <laughs> so I know Vinny has a question about something that's non-wrestling. Well, I mean, we talk about music, but it's about something you're involved in right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or I don't know if it was whether you're involved in right now or I read that you were um, – an outfielder on a professional kickball team? Uh, I played kickball. I just played last night. I won another championship wow. on Monday. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's awesome. We love that. We just, yeah. how, does, how, does, how does that kickball is the, one? Kickball is the greatest. So um, a friend of mine I worked with back in 2007, he comes in on a Friday morning at work, and he goes, um, dude, he goes, I played kickball last night. He goes, it's a real thing. It's a league. He goes, everyone's drinking. You hang out, you go to the bar. He goes, it's a big social thing. He's like, you got to play. I'm like, all right, I'm in. So there was another season starting. There's down here in Florida. The great part is, is because the weather is great all year round. Excuse me. Because uh, the weather's great. We can play all the time. So there's always two or three seasons, two or three leagues gone at the same time. Um, so there was one on a Friday night. We went and we put a team together. No one had, and there was one person who played before who knew what they were doing halfway through the season. I started figuring it out and I'm like, Oh, there's strategy here. Like there's a, <laughs> it's not just kicking the ball. I mean, it is back then it, the ball had to bounce one. You remember playing in school. If somebody put a spin on the ball, you'd be like, Oh, you can't spin it. Or if it was too bounced, he was like, Whoa, you can't bounce it. It's got to just be a nice flat roll. No, this shit is <laughs> <laughs> One bounce coming in, hard spin, hits it goes this way, it hits the ground and goes that way, um, and there's strategy behind it. So I figured it out, and this one team we lost to three seasons in a row in the finals, and it was like one nothing, two to one, one nothing. Like we kept losing like that. So finally, the guys who run in the other team came up to me, came up to myself, and they said, "Hey, we're putting this team together to go to Vegas." There's a big national tournament coming up. Um, it's coming up. It's in October. So at this point now, it's going to be in October of 2008. And they're like, we'd love to have you on the team. And I'm like, yeah, dude. I'm like, I'll play with you guys. But I'm thinking to myself, I'll play with you guys because you're good. And I want to learn and I want to win. Like, there's no way in hell I'm going to Vegas to play kickball. I'm like, that's just fucking stupid. Six months later, I was in Vegas playing kickball. <laughs> and, uh, we got all the way to the national championship game, and we lost the national championship game 2-0. Oh. Um, and at that point, it was on because everyone hated our team so much because all we wanted to do was win. We weren't nice. We were dicks. Um, people were on our sideline booing us. And I'm like this. I'm standing there like this. I'm just like, come on, bring the booze on. Boo me some more. Like, this is amazing. Did, did your um, wrestling persona kick in at any point? You start yes. spitting on people? <laughs> no, not the spitting part, but the, the, the shit-talking part definitely uh, <laughs> came out. That's great. And, and uh, yeah, so from there, that team just evolved and evolved and evolved and kept growing. And then we went on a run from 2010, 2000, 
13-ish. Um, we didn't lose a game. We didn't lose a tournament. We won three straight national championships. And yes. those tournaments were money. You won money. Wow. Um, so we, the, I'll never forget the first big tournament we won. It was $5,000 cash. Wow. So each national championship we won was ten grand. Oh, so shit. in those three and a half years, we won almost $60,000. Holy shit. And how many people great. are on a team? Um, we usually carried between 15 or 16. And it's, it's co-ed, so you got to have at least four girls. Right. Um, it's 10 in the field, so it's six guys, four girls in the field. And like I said, the pitching's ridiculous. So one of our pitchers, um, he, one of our guys got hurt. One of our pitchers got hurt in a, tour- in a national tournament in the finals or in the, um, the national championship tournament. So he ended up pitching like six games, which is a lot because they're six inning games. Um, so in the finals, they had a radar gun set up. So in the finals, after already pitching five games, he was clocked at 68 miles an hour of this ball coming out of his hand. So imagine it coming down right before home plate, spinning and hits and just takes off this way. Oh, um, but yeah, I play, I've been playing since 07. I play in local leagues and um, it's freaking, it's a blast. I, I was going to say sign just, us up, but I don't want to get hit with a 68 mile. An hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just won another championship Monday night down here. Another league started up last night, right by my house. So I play once. Sometimes it's twice a week, depending on the leagues. My favorite, I actually just posted about this the other day. My favorite part about kickball, and I think the thing that got me into it the most was the fact that that hour, hour and a half, or two hours that I'm out on the field, there's nothing else going on. Yeah. I don't think about work. I don't think about anything at home, whether it's good or bad, whatever is going on. To me, there's nothing else going on other than in that game. And right. that's what I'm focused on. And it's kind of my – I guess that's my escape from reality um, for that little bit. And it's just, to me, it's just, it's just so much fun. Nice. That, that's all. Like, it's funny that you say that, like how intense it is because I had a friend that signed up in New Jersey a couple of years ago for a wiffle ball league. Yeah. And he showed up. And I remember going to one of the games with him, and he showed up, you know, with a t-shirt and a regular yellow wiffle ball bat. And these guys are throwing 70 mile per hour balls at him. <laughs> Because they're scoring the ball. There's like a 40-page rule book about what you can do in this wiffle ball tournament. And he showed up. He got eliminated in like the first round. It was was (laughs) two-on-two. And he's just like, what the fuck? Like he's standing there thinking this is going to float a ball at him. Right. And it's like a (laughs) 70-mile-per-hour wiffle ball flying by him. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, I've had friends who were like, it can't be that hard. And they'll come out and like soccer players. Like, can't be that. I played soccer all my life. It can't be that hard. And I'll be like, Corey, just throw him one pitch. And they, they fall down, they swing and they miss. They're like, what the fuck just happened? And I'm like, yeah, it's not as easy as you think it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Holy it's shit, awesome. Man. I love it. Now I'm going to have to look up and see if there's any New Jersey that we can sign up for just so I can go see. At yeah. least. Well, if you, if you go on YouTube and look up Meatballs Kickball, my team was called the Meatballs. If you look up Meatball Kickball, there's plenty of games on there you'll see. And you'll see the pitching. You'll see all of it. Yeah. Nice. I know what I'm doing right after we're done with this. <laughs> <laughs> so besides kickball, obviously, what else have you been working on? What are you involved in? You got your hands in any uh, like small leagues down there or anything? Um, there's a couple of independents we work with down here. Um, but one of the things I'm working on now, my son is very, like I said, he's going to be 17. He's very business minded. Um, he wants to do something with me. Um, so, and actually, I, I guess, I guess you're getting in a, exclusive here because um 
I haven't actually announced it yet. I haven't even bought the name yet. Um, I'm going to have to buy it now, though, because someone else is going to have to buy it. He wants to start an online store um, with me, like selling memorabilia, selling headbanger stuff, um, doing different things like that. Um, so I'm starting that with him. Um, we're just, we're just, he's working on building the website. I got to go to GoDaddy and buy the name. I'm actually planning on doing that today. Um, so yeah, so we're creating a thing. It's going to be called, um, when, when is this going to air? Uh, today or tomorrow, actually. Depending All right, good. On so I'll have time to buy it then before I say it. Um, so we're actually going to call it Masha's Closet. It's uh -huh. basically going to be pictures, t-shirts, um, action figures that I have, stuff from when I was a kid of different wrestling stuff that I did and amateur wise and stuff like that. And he wants to do this whole thing just to do kind of do a business with me to get his feet wet on business stuff. And um, then we're going to start going to conventions and he wants to run the table and, you know, the business side of it, he's really interested in. So that's one of the things I'm working on now. Um, so hopefully uh, we'll get that website. I'm hoping up and running in the next, I don't know, 30 days or something. And um, you've already copyrighted the name, right? It's already copyrighted. Nobody yes, can it steal it. Nobody can steal it. No, you cannot steal it. It's already copyrighted. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's, that's something I'm working on with him, which is going to be a blast because, you know, doing anything with your kid is the best. Oh yeah. And, um, and my son's awesome and he's, he's my BFF. We get along so well, we do everything together. Um, he's my why. So it'll be, nice. it'll be great to do that with him. And I appreciate you not going to his soccer game for to, to <laughs> hang out with us. Cause at the beginning of this, you wave goodbye to him. Well, it was just practice. Oh, okay. We're, we're talking about practice. We're not talking about a game. We're talking about practice. <laughs> you just said he was going off to soccer. I didn't know if he was going off to a game. And you're like, I got to talk to these two idiots for an hour or so. <laughs> no, nah, he's, he's driving. Out the, the driving age is 16 down there, so down here. So he's been driving since July. So it's been the, it's the greatest because it frees me up to do other stuff, like oh, yeah. not sit on a soccer field while he's practicing and sit in there watching my dick get smaller. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, did, uh, besides, you know, the business, did you want to plug anything else uh, or where we can find, find you on social media? Um, well, I got my thing right there. So all my social media is at Chaz Mosh, Instagram, Twitter, um, Follow me on Instagram. Start making me look a little better. I actually put a thing in to get verified on Instagram. They're like, yeah, after two days, like, yeah, you don't qualify. And I'm like, and then they sent me a list of everything that makes you qualify to be verified. And I'm like, yeah, I thought I hit every single one of those points, but I guess I don't. <laughs> um, so well, I, uh, I just followed you on Instagram. So, okay. Yeah. So at Chaz Mosh, that's all, that's all my stuff for Twitter and Instagram. Um, LinkedIn, uh, do a lot of fun stuff on all that stuff. So, are you are you still in it. the ring at all, or are you kind of done with that? Oh no, Glenn and I are still. That's how this happened. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. What exactly did happen to the wrist? Um, no, it's not actually the wrist. It's the finger. So the ligament right here and the ligament in here. Um, I tore both of those. Ooh. Um, and the only thing holding it together is a limit ligament that comes across your knuckle. Um. Is that from um, Billy Gunn finger up the ass that you were saying about no, earlier? No, that's or? a thumb. That's oh. a thumb that goes up the ass. <laughs> that's just called a cheese curl. It's like wham. It's a big cheese curl. <laughs> um, no, I got creative. Again, I told you we've been working with um, the Ascension up in Melbourne for ARW. And I got Vic on the top rope. And I'm like, let's do it. Frankenstein are off the top rope. And when I came down, I just jammed oh. my finger. Um, 
So I waited two or three weeks to go to the doctor because I'm like, ah, oh, eventually the swelling and pain will go away. And it actually never did. So, um, yeah, I actually get this cast off next week. So hopefully that'll be it because it's literally falling apart. I don't know how well you can see it. It's there's it. chunks missing and it's falling apart because I don't rest. I'm still playing kickball. Um, I'm still <laughs> doing everything that I normally would do. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, so no, so we're still wrestling. We do local stuff here. We got some away stuff coming up. Um, I think actually between April 17th, I don't think I have a weekend off until the middle of May. I think it's like four or five weeks in a row, Glenn and I have shows. And there's a lot of stuff. We probably could be booked almost every weekend, but I'm too old to do that now. We wrestled a couple of weeks ago, like two nights in a row. And I'm like, why did we agree to do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you ever get up to Jersey to do a match, just hit us up. Let us know. because We'll definitely get a ticket and come see okay. you. Yeah, no, I still come up there. And when I go up there, I try to hook up with the monster factory with Danny and um, try to get booked on a show. Cause it's always fun to go back there. Cause you know, he's done incredible things with the school, with the, what he's done in Paulsboro with it. And it's always good for us to go back. I enjoy going there and hanging out with the students and it's a good time. Well, right. if you're in Jersey, hit us up too, because we we'll go out and grab you, you know, buy you a beer or something. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> Chaz, this has been awesome. I can't yeah. believe that we just had you on here, man. And this is an honor. Yeah, thank you uh, so much. Ah, uh, stop! You say that to all your guests. <laughs> <laughs> but this is you this, like we were in you the Attitude Era. That's what got yeah. like I was always we grew, up, we grew up in the Attitude Era. Yeah, this was like this was our 16 to 19 year old self watching you guys and. You know, both of us would go there. He's got a Marilyn Manson shirt on. He's got a Nightingale Nails shirt on. Like, I got that shirt. Like, it was, uh, I know these guys. <laughs> we used to get so many shirts sent to us, we couldn't wear them all. Like, band started. We had, like, the Morbid Angel. The Morbid Angel shirts were some of my favorites. I love Morbid um, Angel. I'm actually yeah, a Morbid were, Angel fan. Yeah, they they were they were good. And um, what I really liked about them, they sent us the long sleeves. So I was able to cut the sleeves. So they were kind of, you know, just, they were still long sleeve, but with the, I guess, the holes in them. I guess holes is what they would be called if you cut it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even one chugging the Jack Daniels. I'm, I'm getting all flustered because you're sitting there chugging the Jack. <laughs> That's what I always do. That's just my shtick. <laughs> this is like my third bottle this week. Nice. I opened Filled this two days steak. ago. <laughs> I had kickball last night, so I had a couple drinks, so I'm good tonight. <laughs> yeah, I saw you drinking the water. So I was like kind of <laughs> hesitant to, to drink the Jack at all because I'm like, maybe he doesn't drink. No, I just... drank. I, I got to drink the water because... um. So three years ago, I had thyroid cancer. So they took out my thyroid and 121 lymph nodes. So I take Synthroid now every day. And the Synthroid makes, it drives my mouth out. So I'm constantly drinking water and I'm constantly peeing all day. It's a good time. I'm laughing at the peeing all day. Nothing else. <laughs> That's all good. But yeah, seriously, thank you very much. And please check us out on Twitter at Front Face Lock, Instagram and Facebook at Front Face Lock Podcast. Vinny, you are at... In front face, L O K, not finger cuffs. Somebody said he should be finger cuffs. <laughs> finger cuffs. Uh, <laughs> we are on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. This has been awesome, Chaz. Love to have you back on. Maybe talk about Wrestle. I mean, you don't really watch WrestleMania, but maybe if you get into it and you want to talk some stuff going on in wrestling today, we'd love to have well, you back. I, I figure, being that I'm going to be over in Tampa for Wrestle Stock this weekend. Friday and Saturday, I should probably try to get some clue of what's going on with WWE so I can, if a fan actually wants to talk about it, I can kind of... You're, you're not missing out. much. No, not at all. No? No. no. And I'm a diehard WWE fan. You're not missing much. Shane McMahon's involved for no reason. That, you know, they made a good, you know, one-on-one match, triple threat match. 
Same okay. Alright, I'm educated now. Shane's gonna do something crazy. That's all yeah. we got. That's all we yeah, have. Yeah, he's gonna take a big bump and that's about right. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Recycle the same thing for the last one. <laughs> exactly. Hey, whatever works for me. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks again. We appreciate having no you. No problem. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. It was fun. All thanks. right. Have a good night, guys. Thanks. You too.